ready to unlock your team's full potential. AIM HR Solutions, rooted in the heart of Massachusetts, brings you tailored coaching and talent development services designed to elevate your business. With our personalized approach, you're not just investing in HR services, you're investing in the growth of yourself and your team. Discover the power of personalized coaching at AIM HR Solutions. Head to aimhrsolutions.com to learn more and start your journey towards success today. Welcome to Human Solutions, simplifying HR for people who love HR from AIM HR Solutions on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and this week we're talking all about benefits. Figuring out how to best design a benefits program that aligns with your company's culture, values, and the needs of your employees isn't easy. And just as tastes shift over time, so must the offerings in your company benefits plan. This week, Mary McNally and Stacey Wenzel join me to share their insights into building a benefits plan that satisfies your team's needs while thinking out of the box, too. Mary McNally, Stacey Wenzel, welcome to welcome to and welcome back to the show. It's good to have you both here. Hello. Hi, Pete. Thank you. Hello. Nice to see you. We're talking about out of the box benefits, and I, 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 I wonder if we need to talk about benefits in 2023, maybe writ large, before we start zeroing in on on how to build a benefits plan that that addresses uh, addresses real lives of real people in our organizations, especially because so much has happened over the last three years that I imagine have greatly impacted benefits uh, offerings for companies. Can one of you get us started by setting the table a little bit on, on what the landscape for benefits looks like right now? Sure, I'm, I'm happy to, to do that. Um, you know, a big trend and, you know, it's always been kind of like behind the scenes, but maybe just hasn't been vocalized as much as really this whole idea of personalization of, of benefits, um, really making that the, the forefront of, of when trying to decide what benefits that you want to offer as an employer. Um, so I think that is one of the, the, the key pieces of, of benefits for now and, and for the future. It really is like, Analyzing your, your population, you know, your employee population, because everybody has different needs. There are different financial needs. There are different cultural needs. There are different family needs. Um, so there's just a wide range of, of personalities and needs that each employee has. So it's really trying to grasp that and seeing what you can offer as a company that can hopefully satisfy all of those needs of the employees. Of course, you can't satisfy every single one, but the hope is that you can offer a wide range of benefits that can at least help all the employees in your company. When I first started working for a, a big company, the benefits was, here's your benefits. <laughs> and mm -hmm. you just need to sign here to say you acknowledge that you have, you know, health care. And if you have someone else in your family on your healthcare, acknowledge that. We'll send you some cards. And I think there were other quote benefits in my benefits package. Uh, you know, I know I had two weeks of vacation, but there was never any conversation with me about um, about how my identity, my age, my culture, my you know ethnic racial background, my sexual orientation, my none of that was ever a conversation in in my early sort of benefits experience. And I know so many of these cultural drivers that we see, you know, sort of out in the in, in the world at large are 
pushing against some of those conversations. And I wonder how those kinds of things, talking about generational needs and and different financial, racial, ethnic needs, are pushing on how you think about building a benefits plan. Stacey? Yeah, Peter, I, I do think that that's become much more of a focal point for employers um, in recent years, and definitely more so in the last <clears throat> two to three years due to the, you know, the change in the in the labor market for, you know, across all industries. So employers really need to, you know, take it to that next level as opposed to medical insurance and 401k and vacation time and really communicate not only with their employees, but with prospective job candidates, um, what they have on the benefits front that speaks to a different, different generations, different family makeups, different social categories that, um, that may or may not, different types of benefits may or may not appeal to them. And then the employer has the opportunity to really differentiate themselves from the other job down the street or the other remote opportunity that, that an employee might have. What's a, what makes for a strong uh, benefits package in a recruiting context? Like, what are people looking for right now? Well, speaking to the personalization, it what what is what is any individual looking for? I think is what really comes comes down to because, you know, Jane might be looking for a robust medical insurance plan, and you know, Bobby is looking for you know lots of vacation time. Someone else is looking for a hybrid environment where they're able to have flexibility to either come into the workplace just periodically or not at all. Um, so it really depends on. What, well, number one, what an employer is able to afford to offer from a, from logistics as well as financial. And then it comes down to, you know, what is somebody seeking? It's just different for so many people. You broke the seal on hybrid work environment. I'm, I'm curious how you consider, uh, you know, the building a benefits package that works for people who don't come to the office? How do you personalize when, you know, this is somebody that you don't see as often as other people? How do, what does that look like? Mary, do you want to take that one? Sure. So I think a, a big piece of that now is that people are accustomed to being on video. So I think, you know, I think it's still okay to include benefits that maybe someone can only access through video, but as long as there's that inclusivity aspect to it. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to just be building a benefits program that is saying you know, a lot of on-site benefits that somebody that's working from home most of the time isn't going to be able to access. But if you are going to be, say, doing um, some type of you know wellness seminar or you know some type of benefit seminar, you want, want to make sure that, yes, you can do it in person, but that you also are including all of the, the um, remote employees as well. Let's walk through some of the main categories of benefits. I, you know, we have uh, healthcare, right? And that's, that includes like physical health and mental health now. Well, although, again, <laughs> historically, mental health seems pretty new, uh, you know, uh, as, as something we're considering. So there's health and healthcare and time, uh, right? How you handle things like, you know, schedules, flexible schedules, sabbaticals, those sorts of things, right? What else am I missing? Tell me, how, how else would you categorize the big big buckets of benefits we need to think about? I mean, yeah, I, I think that sabbaticals and pay time off 
kind of fall into their own separate category from flexible time um, and schedules. I think that those almost are two separate buckets. And then in addition to that, we can add things like the financial sort of wellness um, of, of, of the benefits, which speaks to like retirement benefits or loan assistance, um, educational reimbursements, those types of things. And then, um, I mean, there's, 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 the, the list of fringe benefits is probably endless and to try to categorize them into one specific bucket might be a little bit challenging, but I do, don't want to forget to include what Mary and I, um, I think we agreed upon calling them like incidental benefits where they just, there, there are these things that, that an employer might not even think of communicating to employees or prospective candidates as benefits. But the truth of the matter is, is that that is in fact what they are like, you know, we have donuts on or, or, you know, healthy food, free food on every day of the week for that matter, or there's free coffee in the cafeteria. Um, we, you know, we host brown bag luncheons, which are generally types of educational meetings, but, you know, a speaker might come in an expert. Um, so, so there, there are these like things that people might not necessarily think of as benefits, but <laughs> they really are. Yeah. There's something that should distinguish, um, you know, one employer from the next. Well, I, I think you bring up like learning and development is a, is also a benefit, right? Totally. Insofar as we're developing our own workforce, it's it's also a benefit to you that you can't you you can't take that away once you've learned something, right? You can't take it away. Yeah, absolutely. I think another area would also be you know, so on the sidelines a little bit, but it's becoming more popular is um, voluntary benefits. So there, I, I kind of call these low-hanging fruits in a way because it's a nice way to personalize some benefits. So you can offer different types of benefits that different types of folks can take advantage of. But there really isn't a lot of heavy lifting on the employer side. There's usually not a lot of administration that goes around it. There's not a lot of um, benefits compliance that surrounds them because they typically are not pre-tax benefits, so they don't have to abide by certain uh, benefit compliance and tax compliance rules um, because they are usually paid for with after-tax dollars. And usually an employer is just the pass-through for the, the um, payments of such benefits. So, for instance, you know, you know, popular one now is pet insurance. That's a, a big one. Another one, especially since the pandemic, a lot of people are interested in purchasing more you know, disability coverage than what they may have with their employer or more critical illness coverage. So benefits like that, you know, called voluntary benefits are something that I think employers can start to think about. Those, those kinds of benefits where the employer is just a pass through. What's your sense of how employees look at those benefits? Do they still look at them as benefits or do they look at them as they really like it? It serves a sort of internal branding purpose. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it does. And like I said, again, it can, it allows, when I think of personalization of benefits, I think of, okay, what benefits, right, are going to work for me? And do I have a list of benefits that I can just pick from? Mm -hmm. And adding voluntary benefits creates more of those options. And people, so it's not like you have to have so many people to enroll in, in a pet plan in order to offer that pet plan, for instance. I can't believe I didn't make this connection, but you just 
you just brought it up. We have a, a company uh, near where I am. It's a small production company, and they one of their benefits is HelloFresh. And it's not something that the company pays for, Definitely. but as a result of the cooperative, they're able to get a little bit of a discount, and they just pass through to HelloFresh and employees, the work-at-home employees especially, get boxes of food delivered to their house. It's not something that necess- it's not a burden necessarily that the company takes on, but to your point, employees have greater affinity for the company for just taking the time to organize that relationship. Exactly. And I I should have mentioned, actually, one of the big advantages is not only is it easily available for employees, but you're right, there typically is some type of discount for a a group plan. And then the convenience of payroll deduction. Yeah, right. You know, so, you know, if you want HelloFresh, if you're going to order that and pay whatever $25 a week, you could possibly have that taken out of your paycheck and not have to write a separate check or, you know, submit a payment online. That's a I guess real... nobody writes checks anymore. Yeah, who writes checks? <laughs> yeah. I think I've I've had like one check left on my book for ten years. So, exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay. Before we transition, are there any other you know you know if, if we're here ostensibly to talk about out of the box you know benefits? Uh, you speaking of personalization and things like HelloFresh. What are what are the benefits that are in vogue right now? What are you seeing the, in terms of benefits packages that are surprising you? I'm seeing, and I, and I, I can't speak to the, the tax implications of this, but I am seeing a lot of creative solutions for um, tuition reimbursement and um, ways to help employees finance all kinds of things that are not necessarily even work-related, where there's like reimbursements or partial coverage of even health insurance deductibles, um, just ways to, I mean, I hate to say it, but like to throw money at employees, but for a particular purpose, um, as opposed to, you know, having it be in their actual, you know, their salary. So it's, so there's more of a, I guess more bang, not really bang for buck, but like it's more focused on this is what we think is important as an employer. And this is what we think. um, And and you've already indicated to us that that you find value in this. And so we're finding creative ways to like use financial, use the the fiscal resources towards, you know, various different types of, of financial needs that employees might have. No, I mean, I think one thing that you know has come up in the past, but now I feel like it's it's getting a little bit more in the forefront is this idea of offering offering unlimited vacation time, you know, and um, I think again this goes around the flexibility. So I think you know employees have maybe more flexibility nowadays because of COVID. So more companies are offering hybrid arrangements or uh, or fully remote arrangements, but you know, this piece of, okay, well, we're also going to offer you this unlimited vacation time. So we're going to put that trust in you that you're going to use your vacation how you see fit, as long as you make sure that your responsibilities at work are kept up and we have the appropriate coverage. So I definitely am seeing that talked about much more. Well, that that's actually an interesting sort of pivot a little bit on this idea of trust in, in a benefits package. Like we're not only trusting you to use that time, use the time that you put into work effectively. We're trusting you and your manager both to have a sound relationship and, uh, you know, around the work that you're doing. And uh, does the same like does this personalization of benefits and the idea of the company having to invest more trust in the employees to use these benefits responsibly? Is that a conversation that needs to be had when you when you broach the communications 
forefront of of talking about the package that you offer. Absolutely. In stepping back, even from when we first just started chatting, I mean, one of the or the main idea that someone should or the main factor that someone should consider when or I say should like an employer should consider is this whole idea of um, what's your benefit strategy? You know, and, and part of that is, tr- you know, what is the trust factor of your employee population? You know, what what is, you know, your your um, employee demographics, things like that. What do we, what is our budget? All of those things fall under that big piece of strategy, right? So I would say that trust would be a piece of that as well. Uh, okay. So are, are, have we reached the end of the era of the extravagant benefits era, right? The the sort of highlighted by the Silicon Valley, you know, heavy recruiting against extravagant benefits packages. Is that over? <laughs> That's funny. Um, I I don't know. I did a little, you know, a little research before we did this podcast to see like where 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 the days of the company car is and like vacate, you know, paid for vacations and we talked on this show about the investment of. Don't worry, it's Friday is salsa day. We make salsa for you, like you know. I I actually re- I I mean I don't know for sure because most of the most of the companies that I work with are smaller and mm-hmm. don't generally fall into the category of having the fiscal fiscal uh, resources to do those types of benefits. But from what I've been reading and hearing about, I don't think they're gone. I just think they're um, that smaller companies, mid-sized organizations are just tr- getting into the benefits game. And so they're looking for, you know, creative ways and low cost, big bang benefit offering. So we don't hear as much about the cell phone plans being provided and the company cars, like right. I said, and the all expense paid vacation kind of a thing. But I I think they're still out there. They're still out there. Maybe they've just been normalized, right? We just, those are the things that we kind of have come to expect. And so now what's the next brave frontier? To your point, personalization. Yeah, exactly. Do, do we need to talk about uh, compliance? Uh, and tax and and the financial burden of these benefits is that a conversation that that uh, HR teams are having enough? A thousand percent. Okay. <laughs> I was going to mention that too. So because as much as we would like to, a company would like to say, oh, we want to offer the best benefits that we can that are personalized and that are cost effective. You you always have to be thinking about do they meet particular benefit and tax compliance laws. Um, and also, too, making sure that they're non-discriminatory in how they're being offered as well, so that there's this whole balance. Okay, I, I need. I'm going to need some examples. Like, what? Sure. What do we look at in terms of red flag uh, benefits and and policies that that might potentially hurt us or not be addressing the the broader nature of our community? Sure. So I'll take it the, an easy compliance one. And I mentioned earlier about the voluntary benefits being pre-tax versus, um, you know, coming out of your paycheck after tax. Mm-hmm. There's, there is a list of benefits, basically, and the IRS um, publishes a publication 15B, which is an employer tax guide to fringe benefits that goes over each benefit, what is considered exempt from taxes and, and what benefits are not. That's kind of like an easy example would be like, okay, if I'm offering this benefit, it, does this fall under, you know, does the IRS say that we can take this out of employees' paychecks pre-tax? That'd be one example. Okay. So HelloFresh is not going to be a pre-tax. Exactly. Right. Okay. 
but my medical, but my medical dental, you know, those core benefits that you think yeah. about are going to be, and that's compliance, you know, with the IRS. Then okay. there's also compliance, you know, like, so am I communicating this benefit appropriately? So am I giving uh, employees the right documentation that's telling them about the benefit? And there are a lot of these core benefits, such as your health plan, your dental plan, your vision plans. There needs to be specific documents that employees have access to that goes over all of the benefits and what the benefits offer and so forth. Okay, so I, does that include uh, uh, if you're going to offer a benefit? This is how my my brain is working out what you're talking about. If you're <laughs> going to offer a benefit, you have to clearly communicate that benefit exists, and you have to, I imagine, do so in a timely manner. Right? You can't just say, exactly. "Oh, benefits the open enrollment's closed." Sorry, right? Even exactly. though you never told them that it was going. Okay, so uh, those kinds of considerations. What am I missing in that mental model? So other considerations would be, you know, again, you asked for an example of, mm-hmm. you know, of the compliance, but also something that maybe is non-discriminatory. So um, that can even come down to as much as how people are paid, right? So mm-hmm. if you have employees that are considered highly paid employees and you're giving them a benefit that they are getting more of the benefit than employees that are considered non-highly compensated. That's discriminatory. That's, you know, you, you, an employer cannot do that. There are penalties for particular benefits that can't be, um, you know, that can't favor highly comped employees. So that'd be one example. Oh no. Another example would be sometimes people think, Oh, if I can, um, you know, give offer a, more of an employer contribution for a medical plan to folks that are older because they need that benefit more than say somebody that's younger. That's extremely discriminatory, right? So, I mean, it's so you always have to be thinking about: is this fair across all of my employees? Does that answer your question? The examples? It, it does. That's very helpful. My my follow-on question is: is this sort of jurisdictional? Is this? Are we talking about the federal? compliance issues here? Or are there any Massachusetts specific uh, issues we need to consider? That's a great question. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head if there's if there's any state specific um, compliance elements. But to just piggyback on what Mary said, and she she spoke great about the like the real like legal compliance tax implications Um, from a discriminatory standpoint um, and more of a best practice kind of a thing. An employer wants to make sure that they that they are offering benefits sort of equitably a, across different groups of employees. So, you know, probably, you know, I want to say in the old days, you know, we would see the managers or the salaried employees um, as opposed to maybe if you're working in service industry, the more um, like the the customer facing or the production employees might have a whole different slew of benefits than somebody who works in the office. Um, and generally they were, they were a little bit more generous on the salary side versus the hourly side. And that's something that a lot of employers are getting away from because it, it just doesn't align with the, the culture and the, like really the, the general environment that, that a business is trying to create for their employees. And also the public relations that they're trying to communicate to their customers. It's, you know, to have an us and them kind of a layout of benefit plans is just really doesn't, really doesn't 
cut the mustard anymore. <laughs> and also too, just to jump jump in on that is that so yes there are definitely there is like a, a federal law that governs benefits you probably heard it's called ERISA but then yes certain states do have their own laws as well and that comes into remote also offering remote benefits in different states too there's a that's a whole nother whole nother uh, compliance piece but anyways I just wanted is to it, is that something we should that. we should address briefly yeah, I think it's something, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, we'll just hire people in any state. And you just always have to be aware that some states do have specific tax laws that that um, apply to payroll and or benefits. So it's just being aware of that before just hiring somebody in a specific state. You may have to register as an entity in that state, you know, and, and, and abide. You mm-hmm. have to abide by their employment laws. So definitely another piece of the pie to be looking at. For sure. All right. We have this brand new manufacturing organization that we have been building in our minds for the last three seasons. And uh, I uh, would love to have you both come into my brand new organization, manufacturing organization that is, as you can imagine, a complex hybrid organization with people who are working everywhere. Uh, But also we're trying to build a bespoke culture in our manufacturing organization. And uh, so I would love to, as, as we wrap up today, for you both to paint a picture of how you would go about looking for uh, clever uh, benefits to bring my culture together and uh, and build a benefits package that that works. Morale boosting, team building. What are the things that allow us to really thrive and also offer a comprehensive benefits package for a not so huge company quite yet? Well, I mean, simply put, I would start with the standards, you know, that you spoke of earlier, you know, kind of the must-haves that employers need to offer, or at least, if nothing else, provide access to through those pass-through pass kind of payroll deductions. But then I would I would get with the management team and the, and the founders of the organization and find out from them what's important to them, what is their, what do they envision as the culture of their organization? Like, do we... You know, we want flexibility for our employees. We want to retain them for the long term. We want to respect diversity. So if those are the things that that are important to them, then let's use that as our checklist, as our laundry list of, okay, well, what benefits feed into that? Or, you know, what aspects of this, of our paid time off policy speaks to those unique characteristics that we say is important to us? That's actually fantastic. This idea, and Mary, I'll turn to you, the idea of saying, like, what do you stand for, company leadership? And now how do those benefits represent that? Exactly. And that's that, that's the benefit strategy piece. So that's really the first thing that needs to happen is having those conversations, like Stacey said, with, you know, with the owners of the company and, and management, but also employees as well. I mean, I'm a big proponent of employee surveys or employee focus groups because you know you can be in a conference room or be on a Zoom call and talk about what you think your employees want you know till you know till the cows come home but until you really know what employees want i think including employees as well in that decision um but i agree too what stacy was saying i think the core benefits are always going to be um a need and a want from employees like the health insurance and dental and vision we call those the health and welfare um, and then these out of the box benefits that um, can meet, hopefully, like we talked about, these generational and, and cultural and fiscal needs will be things like the voluntary benefits, maybe additional um, mental health benefits. I know we could have a whole podcast on on that as well. 
um, you know, certain types of financial wellness benefits. So like these out of the box benefits can kind of, you know, just be wrap around those core benefits. I think it's fascinating to talk about it in that way. I went to a presentation at the local uh, SHRM and the presenter, I, I think, was a fan of Steve Jobs, who was who said something akin to, you know, we, we don't need to ask our people what they want. They won't know what they want until we give it to them. Right. And that was that was the idea. And I think that that presents a really interesting tension in crafting a benefits program, which is the whole idea that, you know, we're giving you the benefits that represent us as a company. We don't we you know, it's not like we don't care what you are asking for, but we you know, you're our audience and we're presenting you this this package and you're going to enjoy it. You're going to enjoy it because it's what's on offer. <laughs> exactly. And that's why it's nice to be able to offer a whole wide range yeah. because, you know, people, you can hopefully satisfy the majority, if not all. Okay. The last thing that I have been told that we need to talk about is gamification in benefits. Somebody has a story about turning bennies into games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, whenever you can find an opportunity to like, you know, build, do some team building work or some, you know, employee morale lifting and make make anything sort of boring, fun, like HR is ready and waiting to make it happen. So um, one of the one of the clients that I recently worked with took, you know, just saw this as an opportunity. It's St. Patrick's Day. I think it was along the lines of like finding the 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 pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And they they just did they they built up a scavenger hunt and this this worked for on-site employees and remote employees it was basically done um you know via email and teams and with people's you know communication with in slack and used taking pictures with their cell phones just a list of things to find build your own teams let it, let hr know who your teams are and snap a picture when you find you know the rainbow post-it note pile or the um, I can't remember what some of the other things were. Oh, like a half-eaten donut in wherever. Um, and so it was. They were just fun things. Every team submitted whatever they found, and then it was a lottery as to, you know, who won the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So it forced employees to work together. It there was there was awards, but they weren't. Um, you know, it was a low-cost team-building event, and, uh, and and like you know, ten employees got to walk away with gift cards to you know, local restaurants. So, you know, that's a benefit, that, yeah. even though it doesn't fall into like the core benefits and general things that, we, that well, most and I think that think is of. that is exactly the point of thinking outside the box that when you we're not just talking about health, vision, dental uh, retirement, where this this is a bit bringing right. the team together and doing something that increases our affinity with one another is as much a benefit and certainly as much a utility to operation of the organization that's the can be very powerful what do you think about the the idea of going uh, of maintaining a, a a benefits process like we open this conversation with you know tastes shift needs shift over time if anything we've learned over the last three years that needs have really really shifted over the last uh, you know thanks to the pandemic uh, how do you continually optimize your benefits program to make sure that you are addressing these shifts over time. Mary, you want to take this one? Well, you use the word continual. It 
reviewing your benefits is ongoing. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people will think, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, benefits renewal is coming up. So we're going to look at our benefits sometime in September and make decisions in October with a January 1 effective date. But it's not, you really need to be, or an HR department really needs to be reviewing their benefit options and analyzing claims data and reports and so forth to make sure that, you know, the, the, company is not is within its budget but also that employees are utilizing the benefits that you're offering them so it's it's all year long really uh, it's a great opportunity to you know utilize those employee surveys that Mary mentioned earlier about you know asking employees you know which benefit plans are most important to you what do you even know about this offering that we have why aren't you using and then maybe having like ad hoc committees that really just come up with new ideas or suggestions for modification. Um, Even employee exit interviews are a great way to determine what benefits you may be offering that are important to employees and things that you don't offer that would be of value. You never would have known without asking. (laughs) Right. That's that's great. Hey, both of you, thank you so much for your insights and uh, for participating. And Stacey, I hope this is the first of many podcasts we can record together. (laughs) appreciate you being... It was Excellent. very enjoyable. Thank you. And thank you, as always, Mary. Uh, it's it's great to see you again. And thanks for your insights today. Great. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Stacey. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and your attention. As always, you can find links and notes about the show at amhrsolutions.com or just swipe up in your show notes. We've got some links in the uh, actual show notes on your podcast app. You can tap there to learn. In fact, how about learn about this form 15B? guide to fringe benefits you want to see some hot form action that's in the very show exciting. notes it's very exciting on behalf of mary mcnally and stacy wenzel i'm pete wright we'll catch you next week right here on human solutions simplifying hr for people who love hr